you think it was more upset of Subban, or was it Sissons, or was it the whole play? What was? I mean, it was probably a lot, probably the whole play. But you know, I'll reference back to what I said earlier. Um, you know, if a coach does not know Subban does that, and we've talked about the style the Predators are trying to have very active defensemen. So Subban is doing exactly what would be expected in that situation, and what would be expected of him. He's he's supposed to do those things. I think the issue is he misread the situation, um, and he tried to do that with a forward group who is not suitable for that. So I, I think that it was a, um, I think the action in isolation made perfect sense. I think within the situation, uh, that particular situation, it was clearly a mistake. He misread the play. It was a problem, and, and I would understand the coach being angry about that. I don't know about like. How much, how angry he was, uh, but certainly certainly looked angry. I mean, yeah, I, I don't. I, this is a guy who's like once actually punched his player in the skull when he got angry. Really? Oh, this is great. There's this great um, image. Like he just he was getting all like riled up and like swung his arms like he did. Uh, uh, okay. Like he did. Um, it, it's, oh my, sorry, my brain just blanked in the game. Um, so he just swung his arm. Yeah, and, he, and it was with the flag. Like he like. Punched Voracek in the head when he, in Philadelphia. He was just like, bam, right, right in the head. I, I think it was Voracek. It's pretty funny. Not to take anything away from the Subban coach narrative, but I'm pretty sure that they asked him about, after the game about that sequence where he was just cussing up a storm, and he said that the refs missed a cross check against Bass ah. down low, which is why he was so angry. I mean, I definitely agree okay. with you know that sort of a. Subban misread the play, and okay. that was that's definitely worth getting upset about. But mm. I don't believe that's actually what he was mad about in that okay. moment. Well, there we go. A light has been shed. You said there was no answer. Mario had Mario the had the answer the whole time. There that was go. that was yeah that was. Some... But I would rather just conjecture and and assume and just let's talk about locker room culture. Come on, all freaks. Welcome back to the show that's getting excited about the holidays. Um, we've got decorations up at my house. Are you guys decorate for holidays? Uh, as you can see, I've, I've thoroughly decorated um, our, our recording studio with just the most seasonal, yeah. same thing that it always is. Yeah. Uh, I'm not a seasonal decorator no. at all. Okay. Uh, I have never put up a Christmas tree. No? Never done it. How about you? Yeah, we put up a Christmas tree and a wreath on the front door, but we don't really go nuts with lights or anything like that. Yeah, we, we put up our tree... And we have this little garland that we put on our uh, front sort of stoop thing. Um, but that's about it. Uh, we don't go crazy with it. Some people in our neighborhood go crazy. I mean, we're talking thousands of dollars. Just why? Why? And people seem to they associate it with uh, the nostalgia of the holidays. And even walking around uh, my neighborhood, there's, there were people out uh, last night putting up Christmas decorations. And the big thing in my neighborhood are uh, projectors. So people have yes. outdoor projectors with with green and and uh, red stars. There was a, a a couple putting up a projector that projected falling snowflakes. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was one who had a projector. Uh, it's actually on my street, where it's like it looks like water. 
and that doesn't feel super Christmassy to me. It it looks sort of like uh, if you if you've been in an aquarium where where you actually cast the light from the tank and there's you know on the ceiling or whatever, and you get kind of that watery. That's what it looks like. Didn't feel very holiday specific to me, unless they're going for like a Hawaiian Christmas type type deal. I guess. Maybe they are. Uh, but yeah, there's there's a few pretty standard things. But me now you can't you can't tell what holiday it is if you just had a photograph in my front door. <laughs> right. Well, uh, you're listening to the Predcast, brought to you by OnTheForeCheck.com. I'm Alex. I'm here with Link and Maria. You guys doing okay? How's, how's the last couple weeks treat you? Uh, pretty hectic, you know, trying to close out the year. Granted, we had Thanksgiving, and I only I think I took off a week from work, so I sort of there you go. was the other side of it. And after the close of last week, I have 10 days of work left this year. Um, That's not I'm just, bad. I'm just done wow. for the year. Yeah. 10 days. Yeah, I'll be at work every single day for the rest, or you know, obviously the weekdays for the rest of the year. But no, I took off about four days. I did a lot of cooking. I was to the point where I went to different grocery stores because I'd been to the same grocery store so many times, just like during yeah. the same day. Now, do you do you bake? Like, are we talking like you know baked goods or, or just cooking like full meals? Like, I what cooked you... a pie, but I don't really bake. It was more okay. like you know meatballs and spaghetti and that sort of thing. You made a meatballs and spaghetti pie? No, that sounds great. Honestly, I probably could though. You could. I actually. I used to do a. Um, I mean, you call. They call. Uh, it was called a, a tomato pesto tart. It was basically like tomato and pesto, and mozzarella and things inside a, a like a, a pie crust, not a yeah. graham cracker, but like a phyllo crust, and it was just a tart. Yeah, it was good. Okay, I did do that recently. That was like right. You know, right. Thirteen years ago, it, fourteen years ago. You know, it's tricky. The end of the year. I'm sure most people can can identify with this. That this the whole December work month. It's like, you know, it would be nice to take off, but also, for the most part, there's not a lot going on at work for a lot of people, so it's kind of a dead zone. No, I am going to spend all of next week, like, I fly out 6 a.m. tomorrow morning okay, uh, to Chicago for four days for work, and so I'll be at a conference for four days, and then oh. I'll fly home Thursday, and coming to work Friday, and then I have a week, and then I'm just gone. Yeah. And then my boss disappears, and everyone else disappears, and there's no one around. Right, right. So it's so, to me, it's kind of a nice time to work because you can actually get some stuff done. You don't have people crazy, you know, bothering. My you. issues, I do a lot of coordination uh, uh, work, and so uh, and I have to, and so if if they're the people who are doing the work part of it aren't there, when I'm trying to coordinate efforts, there's no one for me to coordinate with. Yeah. Uh, so it tends to go into I tend to go into maintenance mode and have to like you know clean clean stuff and sure. i mean that like you know computer files and process documents and stuff and it is not my i, I prefer to be a doer than a than an organizer right. um so it's uh it'll be interesting we'll see how that goes yeah and so the holidays are are pretty much here we've already experienced one of them we had to uh take off uh, last week um that's on me mostly because i had uh the birth of my daughter. She was born on the twenty third, and I'm very excited about that. So, but we're well, all excited for you. Congratulations, officially on on air. Thank you, thank you. I appreciate it. It's a uh, it's a really a pretty crazy experience. Um, I I don't necessarily recommend <laughs> doing it the way we did it. Uh, it was um a pretty. It's, you, it's, you're better off renting the child. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And then do like a rent to own deal. Yeah, exactly. T- test it out first. Yeah. Um, really, I just mean the, uh, the 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 experience, like the actual labor, was just not things didn't go well. But everything's healthy. Everything's great. So it's good. It's good. Yeah. Um, so we had to take off for for last Sunday. So, um, but we'll uh, we're obviously back. So uh, we got a lot of hockey to talk about. We have the Predators have played six games since we last talked on the air, um, and 
I know a lot of people probably are just thinking about the four to one blown lead against New Jersey on Saturday, but the Predators have played six games. They've won four. Um, they've gone four, one, and one in that nine in that out of twelve span. possible points. Yeah, I mean, if you're upset over nine out of twelve points, yeah. I mean, yeah. Well, let, let's get let's get down to the details and get picky about it. Right. Absolutely. But at the end of the at the end of the month, yeah, so to speak, nine out of twelve points, you cannot be upset about that. Yeah, the Predators played some good hockey over the past two weeks, and I really can't find it in me to get mad about two minutes of idiocy yesterday. Sure, yeah. I mean, and it's the way they've been winning. These wins have been pretty much dominant over some good teams. I mean, Winnipeg is not a bad team. Dallas is a good team. Tampa Bay is injured, but still a good team. You've got some pretty solid wins. Colorado is not a good team, but um, pretty solid wins in this whole stretch. So um, let's, uh, let's start... By going way back to the Tampa Bay Lightning game, and there's a big part of this game we're going to talk about. Let's talk quickly about the actual goals in the game because that was the the part that the Predators really did well at. Subban, PK Subban, had two goals in the second period, one on the power play. They came, I think, within like five minutes of each other. Maybe they were back to back. And then uh, Ryan Ellis had three assists. Great night for Ryan Ellis, who eventually um, we the Predators. Lost to injury. Uh, we're not sure how long. Do we have an update? Is there been an update on Ryan Ellis? I think he's day to day. Day to day. Everyone's either day to day or week to week. Right. Yeah. We'll, we'll we'll definitely cover some injuries later. But anyways, Ryan Except Ellis potato. and Potato. Yeah. For Potato's out for six weeks, something like that. Something like that. Assistance yeah. is out indefinitely. Oh man. So uh, definitely the injury bug is coming up. So we'll talk a little bit more about that. But in the Tampa Bay game, uh, Ryan Ellis had three assists and was great. Pecorine twenty four is twenty five. Um, stop stop twenty four shots on twenty. 24 saves on 25 shots. and uh, But then third period, things got crazy. First of all, JT Brown hits Roman Yossi. I thought it was high. I thought he made contact with the head. It wasn't it wasn't obvious contact, but I've definitely seen way more or way less get called. Um, a penalty, no less, and uh, definitely get suspended for, none of which happened. Um, so shortly thereafter, Ellis retaliates while the Predators are on the power play, which I'm not thrilled about that. But and and Ellis definitely it was a dirty hit on, on oh, JT Brown for yeah. sure. I I had people left and right arguing that that it like it was an accident or yeah. it was fine or it wasn't that bad. Like Ellis went head hunting, yeah. and everyone just got focused on. I mean, Brown's reaction was immense. It was a, just a just yeah. an over the top reaction, way over the top. Um, and everyone focused on that. But what Ellis did was incredibly dangerous. Where he hit him on the ice, how he hit him on the ice. Mm-hmm. Um, it's almost it, it's almost to Ellis's benefit that Brown was able to weigh on him like he did because otherwise he would have been head first into the boards from where he was. So it was a huge risk there. And, and I mean, both players should have seen something from it. And I was surprised right, um, right. when nothing came of, of that. If- if you take a look at the scenario in which it happened as well, I mean, the Predators were on the power play. You just don't, you do not see, the, the power play team generally doesn't, isn't the one doing hits, uh, it, even trying to create hits. They're trying to, they're trying to pass the puck. They're it, trying to possess the puck. It was a purely opportunistic thing by Ellis. He yeah. saw Brown, he was, everyone was, was, was pissed off yeah. and saw Brown and, and took advantage of him in a very vulnerable position and, and just said, hey, now is time for some classic hockey justice, which is, right. Where now, well, injuries come from. Well, Ellis said, it was like, I didn't see him. He hit me or came at oh, me. Yeah, right. But then Sissons beforehand was like, oh, yeah, Ellis saw an opportunity and oh, took it. I mean, right. Because <laughs> Roman Yossi is missing his bodyguard now. I mean, you just you just watch 
that hit from any number of the angles that are available. And Ellis, I mean, Ellis said that to cover his ass. That's the only reason Ellis said that. Because it's so blatantly obvious what he was doing that it's a little bit embarrassing, but he has to do it. Now, if this were if this were an RPG and and we're t- we're t- taking damage points, I think JT Brown definitely definitely dealt out more damage points in the whole game because of his hit on Yossi, because of what he did afterwards on on Ellis and he wrecking the, wrecking that guy's phone, wrecking that guy's phone after the game. I, I mean, can't believe he didn't get fined for oh, that. Oh no, that I mean, you're not so you can't do that. I mean, the guy wasn't was filming him i don't know if there was the audio didn't sound like he the guy was taunting him or anything mm-hmm. even if he did you cannot touch a fan like right. you just can't yeah it, no the whole scenario was just insane and so then the next day we all sit around waiting to find out what's going to happen if there's going to be anything at all silence from the league office and who was in attendance at the game monday night gary, gary bettman Granted, he was on his phone doing email most of the time. Um, if you anytime look, people are like, oh look, he's sleeping. I'm like, no, he's looking at his phone again, <laughs> playing Candy Crush. <sighs> yeah, I'm sure he was. He was probably uh, helping the uh, the league put together their their proposal for the CBA extension. Ah, uh, right, probably he was probably on Cap Friendly playing with the little expansion yeah. draft tool. Do, I do, do that a lot. Do you guys just to, as, as a bit of a deviation? Do you see the news about the um, Players Association rejecting the uh, the CBA, saying, hey. We'll just extend the current CBA, but you have to forfeit Olympic participation. Yeah. And, and, and like, apparently the league was surprised by this. Yeah, right. And people were surprised. I mean, how is that, that is the most obvious news. <laughs> yeah, I was not expecting the NHLPA to go ahead with that. Um, no, not at all. Right. They're not. They're not gonna. There's. We're gonna have another lock. We're gonna end up having a lockout mm-hmm. because the NHL doesn't want players to play for their country outside of the NHL's sphere of influence. Well. Even then, though, like the NHLPA is not necessarily going to pass something due to Olympic participation. There aren't that many players going to play in the Olympics. It's what fifty, and there as opposed to seven hundred. Right. I mean, you're talking about the, the 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 elite players. I mean, most of the players in the NHL are not affected by this at all, and would would prefer to. And, and, and yet, the World Cup of Hockey is supposed to be a replacement, and is supposed to be a reason to, to prevent it. So clearly, it's it is significant enough, regardless of how many participants there actually are, that the NHL feels the need that they need to host their own event as unsuccessful as it may have been from a viewership and financial point well, of view. Well, if you just keep shoving spinach down someone's throat, eventually it'll taste like candy, right? Roll a cup of hockey is spinach in that scenario. But I like spinach. Okay, well, whatever you're, <laughs> whatever kind of vegetable you don't like. I'm not a fan of kale. Okay, kale. There you go. Superfoods. I don't like raw kale. To, to, the, to, the, uh, to, the, to the league, the World Cup of Hockey is the superfood that everyone is going to like, but the rest of the league's like, no, we'd rather just play play on our team and will play for our country and that's it there's, there's this brilliant uh mitchell and webb sketch you can find on youtube love mitchell and webb um about like it, it's just a very short one in in a uh nutritionist office where they're you know talking about like oh did you, you know just telling people like oh yeah well, just don't eat wheat you wheat, you're wheat intolerant and the guy is like I, I don't have time to do this i gotta go i have to go on a on a on a talk show to talk with a new superfood <laughs> and the one guy's like i dare you to tell them that it's white veal and the guy's like yes and he just leaves <laughs> That's a great show. If you haven't checked that out, Mitchell and Webb look. Um, I don't know how we got on this, but Tampa Bay. That's okay. My fault. Uh, talking about, okay, so the JT Brown, we were talking about, you know, the league didn't do anything about this. I mean, I, 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 I think JT, look, Ryan Ellis was, that was a bad hit, but Brown had, uh, was absolutely in the wrong in what he did as well. He goes absolutely berserk, punches a man on the ground with his gloves on, and just, just I mean, I don't know. The whole scenario was just ridiculous, and uh, nothing came of it, so... Um, well, the only thing that did come of it was uh, Predators got a 3-1 win over the Lightning. So, um, 
Moving on from that, two days later, uh, the Dallas Stars roll into town. And uh, I have to admit, I didn't watch a second of this game. I watched some highlights later because I, that was that was the day that my daughter was born, so I was in the hospital. But I think we can understand. Yeah, yeah, you can understand that. I did watch later, um, but it looked like you know it looked like the Predators dominated from the from, from the start on. I mean, they were up two one two zero going into the third. Then they scored three more goals. Um, you got goals from uh, for, the Forsberg goal. I saw that one, of course. Forsberg uh, scored on that just crazy cross ice pass from PK Subban. I think on the power play, maybe on the power play. No, no. it was even strength. Even strength. Okay. And then the other goals, Fisher had an unassisted goal, Johansson, Smith, and Neal. So all of your top forwards, Forsberg, Johansson, Craig Smith, James Neal, Mike Fisher, all, all score in that and uh, beat the stars five to two. What do, do you guys have any recollections on that game? Help me out here. I I, it shows that there's, there are some comparisons between like Nashville and Dallas and that Dallas is a little bit more elite firepower whereas Nashville has better balance. But really, I mean, goaltending is a huge difference at this point between these two teams. Um, I I think both defenses can get turned inside out, sometimes get a little confused or pinched too much, and they have their own unique sets of vulnerabilities um, that allow the other team's style to really take advantage. So the Stars are really good positioned, I think, to take advantage of uh, Nashville's defensive mistakes. But Pekka has been playing well enough seemingly well enough and with the first star mm-hmm. on the picked up for November that 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 was really a difference maker because um, you're not going it's, to it's really hard to shut out the stars um, so giving up two goals and scoring five of your own is is really a great scenario to find yourself in especially with who was contributing uh, the right. exact guys you want to see scoring goals yeah the the goal that looked like uh, Lennon was laying an egg was just the worst goal to give up I think it was Lennon right yeah that was who was in net yeah mm-hmm. And also the three on O goal that um, that Smith scored. Okay, just sort of that's that's right where where there was no <laughs> there was no one back. I think it was Jordy Ben was like lying on the ice and right. waving his stick at them as they were just yes. standing in front of the net. I, I did I did see that highlight. Yeah, it, it looked like the the Predators really played as 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 Link you said the Predators played right into the Stars' weaknesses def, defense and goaltending and uh, yeah letting in allowed four goals on twenty shots so that's not good. Four goals. On no, the it's it's quite bad. <laughs> uh, Stars did get a lot of shots. Rene stopped thirty three of thirty five. So um, another yet another solid night. And as you alluded to, that would uh, that would eventually lead to well, there were a couple more games, but eventually led to Rene being named the first star of the month for November. The first time ever a predator has won that award. Um, really, first mm-hmm. time ever. Mm-hmm. That is, yeah, a little I'm really lonesome. surprised. Yeah, first time ever. I mean, first, first time them getting a first star. I think they've gotten maybe a second. I, or third. So they've had some third stars and yeah, stuff. I think so. Yeah, yeah. but uh, yeah, great, great uh, accomplishment and um, a nod to Pecorino's play. So let's move on. the uh, The next game after that was the Friday game against the Jets, the home game. It was a five to one win. Um, this one I was able to watch, and uh, <laughs> so the uh, the Jets. You know, going into this game, I think. At least from the beginning, from the beginning of this season, I was a little bit worried about the Jets because I do think, you know, Mark Shifley has been a, a really incredible player all year long, and I think he's he's definitely cemented himself in that role. Patrick Laine is, I mean, to, to me, he's the Calder winner right now. Um, and they've got other players, guys like Adam Lowry. Of course, they've got Justin Bufflin. D- Dustin Bufflin, not Justin. Uh, forgotten Bufflin brother Justin right they finally got Jacob Truba back in he's not he's sort of tip, you know he's not quite where he needs to be right now but they've got a good defense and I've got a good young goaltender in Connor Hellebuck 
But the Predators just dismantled this team on Friday night. Um, Dustin Buffalo gets the first goal off a pretty unlucky bounce in front of um, in front of Pecorine. Preds would get lucky later on the James Neal goal. Uh, Wilson, Colin Wilson, everybody's favorite, right? Oh Col- yeah, Colin Wilson, a great as as Link, I think as as you have talked, a great off the puck player, very good, uh, very good away from the puck. He makes a play that is just quintessential Colin Wilson, and I think the reason why people like him makes a great zone entry sort of banks the puck in and around the defense cycles the puck around to Mike Fisher then goes immediately to the front of the net Fisher finds him passes it to him and he deflects it in that's Colin Wilson right there that's what he that's what he's good at he's he's not going to be what Philip Forsberg does he's not he, he's not what Ryan Johansson does but he does a lot of really good things well yeah I mean he was always supposed to be the uh the good power forward and and I think the way the game is played right now uh, you know, a power forward type guy is, is, is that role is evolving. And it, it's about getting into the zone, getting it to some, and, and just getting yourself somewhere where you're going to be causing problems. Mm-hmm. And that's what Wilson does. He causes problems to the team. He puts himself in dangerous positions. And granted, everyone gets frustrated because he didn't score enough, but he makes so much offense happen. Right. So much offense happens. So it's great to see him get rewarded. I think well, he had two goals uh, in that game, which mm-hmm. is how he's loved multi goal Carl Wilson three games. Goals. Do what? I said three goals. He um, oh, the, the okay. first goal deflected it off of him. Oh, that's right. Yes, yes. Dustin Buffalo's but, goal. Oh, first oh. I was like, wait, I don't want you talking about. It. He <laughs> did score the first goal. Oh, right. he went for the. Um, yeah, so yeah. A good shot. Because because the thing you know, Colin Wilson right now sits at he has ten points on the year, four goals, six assists, uh, for a sort of middle six player. That's not bad. Well, if he if he finishes the season with forty points, I think we're all extremely happy. Yeah, that'd be fine. I would have no problem with that. I mean, if he, I mean, I think he can finish with more than that. I think he could be more like 45, maybe even like 48, maybe close to 50. Who knows? But um, depending on where the season goes, of course. Um, but anyway, so <laughs> Colin Wilson uh, gets the Predators on the board. Then uh, Ryan Johansson on the power play. Uh, Bufflin makes a turnover. Mike Fisher pounces on it, finds jo- Johansson, who just rips one by Hellebuck two to one. Then the luck started to pour on a little bit. James Neal uh, doesn't even really try to shoot the puck. Jo- Johansson passes it to him, and he's trying to he's trying to just receive the puck, and it bounces off his stick, hits Mark Stewart's stick, and then deflects in behind behind Hell. It just it was this weird sort of that's bounces. that's hockey. That's yeah. hockey, Alex. Yeah. So three to one. Then uh, Colin Wilson again finds uh, Fisher on the back door, and Fisher. Um, I'm sorry. Fisher found Wilson on the back door, and that's where that, that was Wilson's second goal. Fisher, by the way, had three assists on this night, all of them primary assists, and all of them very, very good passes. And then uh, Ryan Johansson gets another another goal on a pass from Philip Forsberg. Five to one was your total. Um, you know, we talked about the Predators really dominant in this game. At the start of the second period, there was a nineteen thirteen shot attempt edge for the Predators. They maintained that and and built on it. It ended up being a four, 50 to 31 shot attempt edge by the end of the third, including five goals. Just a really dominant performance by the Predators. Um, thoughts on... Uh, was, was that was that, a, was that one of the better wins of the year or, or just kind of a... I, every time Nashville plays, and you know we'll, we'll get to this next, uh, every time Nashville plays Dallas, Winnipeg, or Minnesota... Those are the games that I expect them to go out and win. They're not might not always be easy, but those are very important games to win. And the way that the Predators handled the first, the home Winnipeg game, 
is is really what I would expect from them. Now, granted, they may not be scoring five goals every time, mm-hmm. but three one, you know, four uh, two, you know, right, those those games where it's they have they're a clear winner, um, is really what my expectations would be for those matchups because that's what they need to to be in a strong position and to exert a little bit of dominance in in the central division, which they've I think they've done. They've achieved that in November. That was kind of one of my themes going into that that yeah. week of four games, where you had the three central division matchups, is to exert a little bit of dominance and and certainly looking back at the month, I, I feel like they've reestablished themselves as a team, um, especially given the uh, high luck uh, Blackhawks and the um, persistence of of Minnesota. Yeah, and and St. Louis is sitting there second as well. And, and- uh, I can't I can't criticize St. Louis too much because they've got <laughs> some of the right pieces and their goaltending is slowly figuring itself out. Right. I mean, we. I, like you just said, I mean, the, the Predators, you know, earlier in the year, about I guess about a month ago this time, were sitting in sixth, almost seventh place in the in the Central, and they are they have definitely played well. Now, the rest of the division has started to play well too. I mean, St. Louis has picked it up. Uh, Winnipeg has played well. Um, so no, they now sit in tied for tied for third. I guess there a bunch of teams have twenty six points in the in the Central, but. Yeah, this is a this was a good stretch of wins here. Um, now they followed up the Winnipeg game on Friday with Sunday's game, but before we get to that, we learned of some injuries. So Saturday, I guess it was, or maybe after the game Friday, we learned that James Neal would be out for at the time day to day. He has now been demoted to week to week. James Neal week to week. Do we know anything about what what that could be? It's hard to hard to guess. We really don't know. It's just it's it labeled as an upper body. I don't think we know. I think at the end of the second period there was a scrum against the boards, but I don't think they ever said you know exactly what had happened. We, they just saw him leave and never he never came back. Yeah, and it, it, when it comes to upper body injuries, the Predators it tends to either be a shoulder or a head issue. Yeah, but we have no idea what. Right, it, and I, th- I think you're absolutely right about that sort of assumption because um, if it's if it's typically anything else that's also for body like hand, they usually say, for example, Anthony Potato. They came out and said he had a broken hand. He's out six weeks. Salamaki, same was it the same thing? Yeah, they same, said same broken. thing with Salamaki, right? So we're pretty sure that it's going to be something really upper body for James Neal. I don't like the fact <laughs> I don't like the fact that he's now been week to week. That well, that's why me. I wonder if it's um, you know, if 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 it's a shoulder thing, maybe he tore something and it's not recovering as quick as they would have expected. If it's a head injury, mm-hmm. then you I mean it's hard. It's it's hard, if not inappropriate, to put a timetable on that, right? Uh, just because recovery is so ambiguous from a head injury, like um, like concussion. Sure. Um. So I mean that that's kind of it, it's still so vague. It's hard to read into that too much without going a little bit wild. Mm-hmm. And that might be what the fourth concussion that the Preds have had this season. It's a miracle that Yossi didn't get one on that J.D. Brown oh, hit. Oh, gosh. Yeah, it looked terrible. Uh, speaking of Colton Sissons, you know, he had that, he got driven into the boards. Brandon Tanev in that, uh, on Friday's game, uh, driven into the boards and then I think left the game. He's also out out indefinitely. That definitely looks like some sort of head, but Mm. injury yeah. oh, he was not there when he skated off the ice yeah yeah definitely definitely was out of it uh and then of course ryan ellis we mentioned earlier he's day-to-day with an upper body injury as well so potato sissons neil ellis all that led to um a couple call-ups a waiver wire transaction which is pretty rare for the preds and um 
just some shuffling around. So, uh, by the way, in the meantime, <laughs> Matt Carl retired. <laughs> Did we well, forget about him? I, I mean, I certainly didn't forget about him, but he, he seemed to perform at about the level that, that anyone could have expected. Uh, yeah. More, more of what we saw in Tampa from him. I'm glad that he got a chance, but it, it was pretty clear that he wasn't going to stick around with Yannick Weber and... Yeah, it was it was really uh, when the signing happened. I looked at it and, and thought, "Oh, this would have been interesting," you know, six years ago. Um, and I think it was Laviolette going to one of one of his guys from from Philly and saying, mm-hmm. "Hey, you want to take one more spin? We 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 need a, some guys to play in the bottom pairing. Uh, you want to give it a go?" So I mean, I it just I get the sense that there was an understanding coming into the the relationship where, hey, you know, we want to give you a chance to play if you can play. Um, but if not, you know, we want you to not feel obligated to sit in the bench or do something like that. Yeah, it was worse than I expected. I expected him to get a few more games instead of, you know, obviously being unconditional waived and then retiring. But I mean, I didn't expect a whole lot out of him to begin with. Sure. Well, I, and I also think we were a little caught off. I mean, I was caught off guard by, by Matt Irwin yeah. being so consistent. Yeah. Uh, normally, I mean, we've had Potato be, you know, being consistent in the six, seven role. We've had. Grandberg being consistent in the six seven role, you know, Weber, uh, Yannick Weber coming in being new, and then here's Matt Irwin who's yeah. got what like six points this season. Yeah. I don't think he even started this season on the roster, did he? No, no, he, no. He was in the AHL. He was in yeah. the AHL. Yeah, and he's just sort of said, "Here I am." And and with the injuries, it, shockingly, it's not too concerning because he's what, looked good. What's What's frustrating is maybe not frustrating, just kind of inconvenient is that Matt Call, Matt Call retires. Then Boteto gets injured for six weeks. And so now you've got, I mean, I think most people would be comfortable running Weber and um, Irwin as your, as your bottom two. But you need that, that third, that sort of seventh D-man, which right now I guess is Peter Granberg. He didn't look great in the game against the Devils. Maybe, he'll, maybe it was just a, a sort of a, just a one-off. But um, you almost think that if, if Carl had waited a few days, perhaps he would have found you know found another spot. I don't know, maybe not. Yeah, I mean, I mean, maybe. Uh, yeah, clearly from the, from what the uh, the organization did by putting you know by by uh, it was I just blanked on the name the waiver wire uh, the most party? recent one. Oh yes, Party. Adam, yeah, Adam, Adam party. party. Yeah, yeah, where they put him on. You know, he's an NHL contract. They put him on waiver so they can actually sign to an NHL contract two way. Um, yeah, so they, they, they had contingency plans. It's yeah. not as though Carl retiring really threw the predators for a loop with the injuries. They clearly mm-hmm. had, you know, they had Granberg they can throw in. They have Party, uh, who they felt earned a contract with this play in Milwaukee. Uh, and, and there's some cover, and maybe there's some even some young guys who, who might get a shot uh, down in the, in the AHL. I don't right. Know. And, and Adam Party has 330 career NHL games. I mean, that's, I would roll Adam Party before I roll, rolled Granberg. Or even went down down and called up someone like Jack Doherty or whoever else. I would roll for, with with that guy before anybody. Yeah, I just think there, there's options, and, and Carl was uncomfortable enough on the ice and, and immobile enough where I think that the there's there's good enough coverage. Um, and if you're going that deep in your roster on defensemen, right. you know there's going to be issues. Yeah. Yeah. So you might as well see if you can't make something new work rather than try to rely on something you know is going to be potentially very bad. Yeah, we're certainly scraping the bottom of the barrel, but if we're at to the point where we're calling up Doherty and Carrier, we're obviously screwed anyways because it means all our, our defensemen are gone. Right, and, and, and we're essentially talking about, okay, who's, who are we worried about taking that seventh defenseman spot right now? Because the, the top six are, are fine. Now, it's a little bit different now because Ellis is injured, but once he gets out from the top four, underneath of the, 
Huh? Top four. Top four. You said top six. Okay. Well, what I, what I was saying was the, the, the defense overall, the structure of the defense is essentially there, aside from the Brian Ellis injury. So uh, all those sort of injuries sort of happened over, over that weekend. That led to uh, a couple other call-ups. Kevin Fiala is back. And they also called up uh, Freddie Goudreau, Freddie Hockey, as they, as they call him. Uh, and they jumped right into the lineup on Sunday. Uh, UC Soros got in the net. And uh, the Predators just could not get anything by. That game was stupid. <laughs> that was a stupid, stupid, stupid game. I think, like... I, I, I want to say Winnipeg had like 22 shots on net the entire game. The yeah. Predators, like their their Corsi four was like almost 60%. Mm-hmm. Uh, literally, there was a five-minute stretch in the second period where Winnipeg had some chances they created. Most of their chances came in a five-minute period, and they got one in the net, and that was it. Yeah, because it was two empty net goals. So I, a, yeah. Poor Soros. He played so well. Yeah. The team worked so hard. I mean, that was just one of those games where Nothing was going in. Yeah, the third period for the Predators, let's see. Let's do some math here. It was a 42-34 to 34 edge in terms of shot attempts at the beginning of the third period. 42-34, to 34, so they had an eight-shot shot attempt edge. They ended up with 79. <laughs> so they got 30-something, 35 shot attempts in the third period alone. Couldn't put anything by Hellebuck. So he was, he was great. He was a great goalie. But you're right, that was a dumb game. It was, a, it was just a really stupid game. Because there's no reason Winnipeg really deserved to win that game in any way, and they did. And that's, you said it earlier, that's hockey. Yeah. It happens. Soros, go ahead. The, I think the Winnipeg Jets had just lost five or six games in a row. And so Hellebuck was just like, we're not losing this game. Right, yeah. It, it's, and sometimes, sometimes that happens. And then you've got also some sh- lineup shuffles. you got new lines in there. Uh, you're not, you don't have James Neal. Um, you know, it just those things happen. So the Predators lose 3-0. Again, there were two uh, two empty net goals in there, which is always fun when that happens. Two empty net goals in the final, like, 45 seconds or something like that. So uh, anyway, so the final was 3-0, and, um, you know, it, it is what it is, and, and they you move on from that. And it, you especially feel okay with that loss because of how the Preds responded a few days later in, on uh, Tuesday going into Colorado. Dominating yet another very weak team. Uh, it's Colorado that week. I guess they are. They are. I mean, they, they, they just lack depth. They lack some serious depth. Yeah. And Var- Varlamov hasn't been the world stopper um, that he has been in a couple of the past seasons. He's been a little less consistent. Yeah. Yeah, they're less in the NHL right now, and they are very injured. Yeah. So the Predators sort of uh, get get things going first. I think I think the. The Avalanche scored first, but then the Fisher, Mike Fisher gets a goal off of uh, Austin Watson generates a turnover in the offensive zone where essentially he played like a fullback and kind of cleared the line and allowed Mike Fisher to bust through the line and shoot the puck. So uh, I know I know Link loves my the, the football analogies here, so we'll we'll <laughs> we'll keep keep that going. Oh, is that I didn't know I I didn't know if you were like trying to if that was football or soccer or what. Oh, right. No, it was it was you said a, fullback and I'm like clear off the line. It was a, wait. it was an American football reference, not a not a soccer reference. Well, I've seen I've seen fullbacks clear like the ball off the goal line yeah. and and start a counterattack. So I'm like, is that what he's referencing? No. I don't know what's happening right now. And Mario, I think we were equally as confused. But I think now that it's football, does it make more sense? You, no. I don't remember if you're a football fan or not. I watched Mario. some CFL, but I don't really understand any of it. Okay. So essentially what my, well, Austin Watson did was just plow through the defense 
allowing the puck to be right there for Mike Fisher to pick up and shoot and score. That's all it was. Oh, well, I, I understand that. Yeah, which is something that Austin Watson probably does more than, probably should do more, actually. Yeah, because he's giant and he can just kind of flail through crowds. He, just, he has kind of that Neanderthal sort of hockey atmosphere about him, right? Yeah, with the lack of teeth and the, yeah. and the whole being Austin Watson. It's not a bad thing. I think, that, I think that's great. Um, so by the way, Calvin Pickard is the one that started this is the goalie that started in this game. And he, he's been the, the better goalie for the avalanche for, for most of this year. He's been pre- pretty solid for them. I think, I think several of the avalanche faithful are, are calling for him to play more because Varlamov has been so bad. But then in the second period, Victor Arvidsson scores seven seconds into the second period on what looked like a set play almost from PK Subban right off the faceoff. um, really just caught the defense napping. Arvidsson is just—I mean, what else can you say? I mean, he, he's just—he's surprising a lot of folks, but then he really shouldn't be because you watch him play, and he just does everything he can to get to the puck, to generate a shot attempt, and to play defense. And he just—he does—he does everything so well. Yeah, I mean, he—he he did the right things over the summer. We've talked about it plenty. Did the right things over the summer. Applied them to his game the same way he's always played his game, and the results are, were going to come. Mm-hmm. He's not the most skilled player talking about expansion later on, and I don't know if I'd protect him, but how hard he works and how he shoots the puck continuously, unlike some, some other players, him getting rewarded like that is great. Yeah. Se- seven goals, seven assists on the year, 14 points. Um, I mean, he, he'll, he'll blow away his, his season high. And he's not doing it on a crazy shooting percentage. He's doing it on just shooting a lot of volume. He's got 75 shots on the year, uh, shooting 9%, which is, I would, I would see him being able to shoot 9%, maybe more like 7.5 or 8, but... Yeah, I mean it's it's. I mean we don't really have a basis for it yet. Yeah, some people can sustain about you know higher, but you need a lot more data than we have. Sure. Considering his shot volume, I expect his percentage to be lower, maybe six mm-hmm. percent or something. But it's like Alexander Ovechkin. The reason why he scores so many goals is because he shoots so much. Yeah, right. So he can be the tiny Swedish Alexander Ovechkin. <laughs> he scores this half as many. He's he's half the size and half the minute number of goals. Right. I'd love if he, I'd love if Arvidsson was a consistent twenty five goal scorer. That'd be awesome. That'd be great. Oh my god. Be gosh. fantastic. Yeah. So uh, we'll, I, we will talk about that later. We have a, a Twitter question about sort of protection and maybe what do you do with Arvidsson. So we'll we'll come back to that because I think it's an interesting an interesting debate you can have about that. Um, Kevin Fiala had a great game in this uh, in, in this particular game against the Avalanche. He scored a goal on a rebound in front, and I think now he he had two goals in the game against the Devils. But mm-hmm. I think most of his career goals have been on rebounds in front of the net, which is kind of good to see. I mean, he, he goes to the areas where he knows he can score and he gets, he gets rebound goals right in front of the, in front of the net. Now he, it's probably not what he is as a goal scorer, but you like the fact that he's able to do that. It might be what he is as a goal scorer in the NHL. I mean, some of his best assets are his ability is his skating and, and his speed. And if he, if that is what gets him to the net to pick up rebounds and he can score goals consistently just because he can get in the right position. Mm-hmm. I, you know, most of the time, like probably two thirds of the time, I'm going to take the better skater over the better shooter if I'm picking between players. Um, just because at least the better skater can get can do a, can do a lot more, can get in the right positions, whereas the other guy you're just waiting for him to get there. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what I like about Fiala is that we we know he also has the shooting talent. So yeah. that part of his game, you know, if that clicks, then you have a complete threat. And right now, if if he can just skate past everyone, get in this position, tap goals in. Yeah. I'm going to be super excited about yeah, all that. Yeah, because the players don't have a lot of guys that are doing that. I mean, 
You see Colin Wilson do it. Craig Smith does it some. He's a very skilled puck distributor, but he also has a nose for the net, and he has absolutely no fear despite also being tiny like Victor Arvidsson. <laughs> so he just goes, and yeah. he'll hang out there until somebody removes him. Right. Yeah. That's my favorite thing about what you can call the new Predators. They're like, we're just going to take all the small guys that everyone keeps rejecting because it, it keeps working out for other people. So why don't we just, you know, if we have, if there's a 12% chance that this player becomes an NHLer, well, if he does, then awesome because he's going to be because typically the guys who make the NHL who are undersized are very very good performers, right? Um, with a few exceptions, you know, Gerby kind of spiked and faded pretty quickly, but most of the other guys who are small I make the NHL are him. pretty consistently good because they have to be um, in a lot of different ways. They have to be great skaters. They have to be quick. Uh, they have to be contributing offensively because they're not typically going to be back checkers. Yeah, it's that whole truism about if you're a large player in the NHL, you have to prove you can't play, whereas if you're small, you have to. A small player you have to prove you can. Yeah, how kill. I, exactly. I mean, you just sparked this memory of mine of, of Nathan Gerby. I he's five five. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's crazy. Sorry, I still I love just, the photo. Oh God, was it Tyler Myers' helmet that he was wearing in the penalty box? He somehow ended up in the penalty box with I think it was Tyler Myers' helmet, and just put oh, it on. Wow. And it's this massive, massive helmet. He's just sitting there like with this with this grin on his face, wearing this giant helmet. Does it look like when Anakin Skywalker puts the helmet on when, in uh, one of the prequels? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, total, totally just <laughs> engulfing Gerby's tiny head. That's funny. Um, sorry, I'm just I'm just reveling in my memories of Nathan Gerby. But yeah, you look at like. Um, you know, St. Louis obviously being the pinnacle of small guys sure. playing elite level, but even um, uh, Matt Zuccarello, I think, is a really good example. Uh, blanking now, but... Uh, Donnie Goudreau? Goudreau, yeah. of course, being another elite, more, you know, St. Louis level type guy. I yeah, mean, they don't know. play exactly the same way, but I just weighs like 150 yeah, pounds. I mean, like, as far as production, things like that, I don't... So I'm not going to produce probably the same level as St. Louis because of the eras, but... Sure. Um, and plus, no one has thighs like St. Louis. So, <laughs> so um, the Predators get uh, get on the board a couple times. Renee Bork makes it uh, three to two at the end of the second. But again, the Predators just put the hammer down in the third period. Ryan Johansson scores the goal of the year so far, beating Weirkoch at the line. Deeks, the, Deeks like he's going to go across across the net, but stays glove side, roofs it by. Pickard and uh, just a crazy awesome play and pretty much doing it on one leg. I mean, he he's kind of doing all this with just an insane amount of balance and uh, able to put that in. Um, Really like what I'm seeing out of Ryan Johansson right now. Yeah, even if Pickard hadn't bit on the pass, he would have still have scored that goal because of how he roofed it off the crossbar. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Ryan Johansson has five goals, 11, 11 assists, sixteen points. So three three players have sixteen points right now: Subban, Johansson, and Forsberg. Of course, Forsberg only with two goals in that, but. But uh, that, if you got three guys, especially one of them being a defenseman, two of them being your top top two forwards, I mean, you're doing pretty good if you got that got that kind of production. Um, then later, Austin Watson deflects a puck in. Um, the let's see, this was this was the game where, or this was the goal where, no one even really knew it went in. The the red light didn't really go on. The pre, like no one really knew where the puck was, and then all of a sudden, I was it the one that got caught up like the corner of the net. Yeah. Yeah, and, and no one that, knew where it was. No one knew where it was. And so that's, that's a Patrick Kane special. That's a Stanley Cup right. winning Patrick Kane special. Exactly. Uh, and uh, all of a sudden, the Predators are just congratulating themselves. But I actually seen this. I don't know if you guys have watched a whole lot of other uh, games, but I've seen this happen a few times. It happened in a Pittsburgh game, I think, where there's been a lot of kind of like not knowing if they're scored. Like there's been some situations where a red light goes on, but then the ref waves it off, or the ref calls it a goal. A red night, red light's not on. 
there's just been some weird, weird, strange goals scored. So the the reviewing is has been very important. There's been a lot of re- a lot of good reviews on on goals this year that I've seen. Um, that's about the only thing in the refereeing or in the officiating that has been pretty consistent and good because they're getting it right. Now there's a lot of other things that are not good, specifically with a lot of the a lot of the physical physical fouls that are being called, but and with the suspensions or lack thereof. Um, but then uh, Miko Rantanen had a goal uh, in that game, but the Predators eventually eventually score or sorry eventually win five to three. Uh, Mik- Rantanen and and McKinnon that that combination Rantanen and McKinnon is going to be a really good combination in the future. I mean that's going to be one that that the Predators were well not just the Predators but a lot of teams will have to worry about. Um, but in the meantime, that's about it. That's pretty much all the Avalanche have. They have that and they have Matt Duchesne, and that's that's all they got. So. The Predators were able McKinnon. to. McKinnon. That's what I was saying. Ranton and, and McKinnon, oh, that combo. Yeah. Missed that one. Yeah. But that, yeah, Ranton is good and uh, he'll, he'll be good for, for years to come. So, um, so that does it. The, well, we're going to, I guess what we'll do is we'll take a break. Then we'll talk about the Devils game, which was uh, a fun one <laughs> for a while. And then uh, we'll uh, touch on some uh, Twitter questions. We'll look at kind of the overall where the team stands right now. And then uh, maybe even talk about some, some other things going on. So, uh, We'll be right back. This is the uh, Predcast, and uh, thanks for listening. These days, you need a partner current in latest website design standards, one that also provides quality support services like hosting, email, e-commerce, CMS, and more. And you need a partner experienced in online branding and marketing, like social media, search engine marketing, rich media, and email marketing. You need a partner that knows how to market your company in today's age of advertising. You need LionZone. Their professional staff and partners have the know-how, creativity, and experience to help you reach your marketing goals. Contact them today for a free consultation at 615-353-0402. That number again is 615-353-0402. Or you can reach them on their website at www.lionzone.com. Lionzone, Nashville's leading internet marketing agency since 1999. To the Predcast, and uh, while we were gone, the uh, we we had a good three goal lead in the first half of the show, and then uh, we blew it. It's gone. We blew a three goal lead. That's devastating. It was four to one. It was I can't four to believe one. it. I I I I um, I'm assuming Alex is all your fault. Well, yeah, we had such a good game, first half of the show going. Um, we we did we built a lead. We played well. We had some good shot attempts. We dealt in facts. We dealt in, in facts. reality. Yeah, and then uh, all of a sudden it's gone. Strangely, that's exactly what happened to the Predators on Saturday against the Devils. Look, blowing a blowing a three goal lead is never good, but the Predators did some good things in this game. I mean, they played forty minutes of great hockey, maybe thirty five minutes of great hockey. Okay, thirty minutes of great hockey. 
for the whole game, I think they probably played 50 minutes of great hockey. 50? Yeah. I, I mean, say 50. I, okay. I, I think, yeah. I mean, the, the, I just credit the, um, of the three goals they were scoring in the third period, two of them, I think one of them was, was just a solid goal. Um, and then I, I think one of the other two, the first two were the really the issue ones. So, uh, the power play goal, it's a power play goal, whatever. Um, it was a good shot. It was a good goal, but the two that really, I think led to the, that got the momentum going, they were at what, they were like 30 seconds apart or something like that to start the period. I mean, the first one was like Pekka, Pekka makes the save. The puck, he, it gets deflected directly onto Cameron Larry's stick and that's an easy tap in goal. I mean, mm-hmm. it's call it a bad bounce or call it Pekka directing the puck in the wrong direction. Whatever the first save was made, there was no one to cover or pick up Camilleri, who's in the exact right spot. Yep. Finished it, and then I mean, the, the one that bugs me though is is the uh, the green one mm-hmm. because Fiddler manages to like deke through the defense, which is sad enough. <laughs> and then Pekka just makes a save, but loses. I mean, you just sit there and and you I'm just you sit there on TV looking at the puck. Sitting in front of Rene. Yeah. Rene is like looking everywhere in the world, has no idea where the puck is. Yeah. Um, and Green's just like, oh, I guess I'll score the goal. Yeah. Because he was just streaking in. And I mean, those, those frustrated me because I felt both of those were very, very preventable goals. Um, I mean, yeah, it's a little tiny puck of rubber, but that's Pekka's only job. Well, th- especially on the 4 3 goal, which was the second one there that uh, Green scored, the way the defense handled that was just awful. They got deked by Vernon Fiddler. Yeah, and then when Pekka made the original save and then completely lost where the puck was, there was nobody clearing it out. Petter Granberg was just yeah. hanging out in, by the circle. Okay, yeah. so Green, um, Green just beat every... And granted, I think Green's like, he's one of the consistently good defensemen in the league. He doesn't get a ton of credit, mm-hmm. um, except when people talk about guys who are consistent in the league who don't get a ton of credit. Green always comes up. So here, here's a fun game. Andy Green has played 665 NHL games. Any guess on his goal total for those 660 games? Uh, seven. <laughs> you're not. You're not terribly far off. Thirty-eight. He basically okay, averages. I was way off. Well, was, yeah. but but to be honest, you weren't. But in a typical year, he scores like four. I mean, that's so. Yeah, your point is exactly on. You're you're on point there because. He gets no goals, and I doubt. I doubt that any of those thirty-eight are even. Most of those are probably not like rebound goals in front where he pounces on a rebound like that. So, yeah, and I, but that, I think that's the something. The Predators were the better team. Uh, they had some some bad mental mistakes to lead to two goals, and uh, you know they take a bat, they take a penalty. You don't do that late in the game when the, when the other team's got the momentum. You avoid taking those penalties, but now they're chasing, yep. and then. It's the Predators in overtime, and the Predators are disaster in overtime. I, as soon as they took that penalty, given how well the Predators had played on the penalty kill, especially at home, I was like, "It's they're due. You know, it, it's time. They're they're going to give up a goal here. I don't know how it's going to happen, but it's going to happen because they. I don't know what were they like twenty five of twenty six or something crazy. They were they were they had a crazy record on the penalty kill, and I was like, they're they're about to give this up. And, and you're right. I forgot about overtime. I guess I wasn't c- counting that in my time. I wasn't adding that in. Yeah, well, there's a reason for that. It's because the Predators are terrible at three-on-three. Three. Yeah. They did some neat things that got the crowd you know, interested, mm-hmm. but they were terrible. They did like Even though they held the puck for maybe three minutes, they did nothing with it. God, it's just so frustrating because you see, I just I watch other teams play well, in overtime. The, the, 
I think almost justifiably, I think the Predators are very scared of the odd man rush the other way. Yeah. But that's why three and three exists. Three and three exists to create odd man rushes constantly. Who was the player back on the game-winning odd man rush? Someone was saying it was Craig Smith. I, I think it might have been Forsberg. I, 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 think it was, I think it was a forward. I can't remember who it was, but I'm pretty sure it was a forward. Because it probably would have been Forsberg. Because he had just missed the, missed the yes. shot. Right, yeah. So, but by the way, speaking of who's, who's playing on, on and three on three for, for the Predators, look, I, Mike Ribeiro was a great five on five player, and he's a decent you know, power play player because there's not, not, a, not as much risk. But Mike Ribeiro does not need to be playing in three on three overtime. You've got enough players that can play out there, even with James Neal out, that he does not need to be out there. That is that is a heart attack waiting. I mean, it, 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 nothing he does out in three on three is going to really generate a scoring chance in the way that three on three generally generates scoring chances. And he's just a risk out there all the time. I mean, he's a he is one turnover away from lo- losing the game. Now, it didn't, that's not how the Predators lost. But look, Yossi, Subban, Ekholm, Ellis, even though he's injured, Johansson, Forsberg, Smith. Wilson, I would, you know, Arvidsson was out there. I would put Kevin Fiala out there before I'd put... Rivero would be the one of the last players I'd put out on the on the ice for three-on-three. Three. Yeah, looking at the, sh- at the shift chart for yesterday's game, I think only four players did not take a shift in overtime. Yeah. So if they have that many people who can roll out there, why would you roll out somebody who's going to attempt to walk the blue line at yeah. five miles per hour? I, 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 don't, I, don't, I didn't understand it. He played... I think he had two shifts out there. And I, I guess the thought was... They didn't have James Neal, and so they needed another top six, I guess, forward. Right. Well, I mean, look, Rivera has, what, 11 assists on the season right now? So you, you, you have a guy who, you know, with 11 assists. 12, yeah. 12 assists. Uh, and you say, well, you know, you put the guy who nothing can make plays happen. Yeah. No. Yeah, that's just not how <laughs> three-on-three is played. It's not. It's not. It's, it, yeah. I mean, it's it's there to create rushes. You need guys who can skate and skate yeah, the fact for that they were able solid. to have, like, two sh- entire shift changes while – the Devils were stuck on the ice was kind of amazing, but I don't know if they got a single shot attempt off. Uh, yeah, they just they just skate around the net and skate around the net looking for an open an open spot. But they were playing four corners. I mean, they well three corners. <laughs> they were trying to no. That's keep the problem. Going. They were playing four corners with three guys. Yeah. So that's just <laughs> exactly. that, that's a lot of time and effort. Yeah, that's that's the uh, Predators' geometry in uh, overtime. It's, it, apparently. Uh, but bottom line, you know, if you score four to five goals a night, you're going to win a lot of games. You're going to win a lot more than you lose. Unless you're Dallas, I guess. Um, and, you know, Rene, Rene, Pekka Rene was fine. I mean, he wasn't, it certainly wasn't his like best game of the year, but, but you just don't expect to blow a three goal lead. And when you blow a three goal lead, it is not just one player that does it. It is, it's a lot of players. Uh, let's back up just a second. Kevin Fiala had two goals. That's great to see. He almost had a hat trick. Roman Yossi had a great goal. PK Subban with a just, Disgusting move to a, score his sixth of the year. Very cute little little uh, toe drag to, to yeah. get the goal. Very great, nice, great goal. His sixth of the year, so he has he has sixteen points, six goals, ten assists. Four to one going into the third period. You, you know you you expect to to win that game, and, and oh, the, you did. they expected too hard because clearly they weren't yeah fully I- engaged uh, because both the, the goals that turned the game were, were were mental mistakes by the Predators. Yeah. And, or you know, or, or just you know, you, you can't even say it's bad luck. It's just just poor play, just poor play by the Predators. And and yeah, I mean that's really what it was. Yeah. I mean he, they they definitely picked up. I mean, granted, I think the the Devils. You see, they had like a seventeen percent shooting percentage, they, mm-hmm. and they didn't. 
they didn't have the volume of shots to make that make sense unless there were errors that they were just executing right. on perfectly. And, and you know, Camilleri, he's been in the league forever, but those are the kind of things that like, you give him the opportunity, he's not going to miss. Yeah. yeah and the, not like Camilleri. The first goal that they scored, the 1-1 goal, Taylor Hall is unmarked in the slot. I oh, wonder gosh. if he's going to score. Yeah, that's, that's terrible. You can't do that. Um, and the, I think the Devils are a good team. I, I picked them to be in the playoffs. I think they're, I think they're a solid team. I think they've got, they've got good goaltending. They, they don't have a great defense, but they've got really solid forwards. Um, still, you know, you, you expect to win that game. So uh, the Predators finished out the this sort of the sort of six game stretch four one and one as we talked about, and uh, that's nine out of twelve points. Like you mentioned, yeah. is, is great. And even on top of that, I mean, if you look at the numbers for the entire series of six games. Um, to see, hey, you know, are they lucky? They're positive, whatever. I mean, they had something like, like just over or just shy of fifty-seven percent Corsi four. Um, you know, they were. I think so. I pulled some expected goal for and against numbers. Yeah. So uh, this is this is all situations, not five and five. So they would have expected to score seventeen goals. They scored twenty-two. They expected to give up thirteen goals. They gave up fifteen. Mm-hmm. Well, we know which two of those that, that put them over that expected goals against the the two mistakes that led to the tie. Um, and then the bonus point against the Devils. So mm-hmm. I, I just look at that and I see they had a really, really good six games. Yeah, they did a lot of things right, and they had a, a you know a bad third period or a bad third period sequence against the Devils, and they had a really unfortunate game against Winnipeg. Now it, let me go back to expected goals just for for people that aren't as uh, familiar with this. This is this is essentially this sort of new wave of of fancy stats where. You know, Corsi has been around for a while, and people understand that. But essentially, as I understand it, the, the sort of expected goals format gives gives weight to certain shot attempts over others. Yeah, it it adds in extra variables in into like shot calculations. Right. Um, and I'm using the um, the Corsica dot hockey methodology because mm-hmm. there's several different methodologies for expected goals right now. So I was using the Corsica ones. Okay, great. Yeah, and so essentially. If you if you think about it, in one of the one of the um, criticisms of of just looking at shot attempts is, well, not all shot attempts are created equal. This sort of accounts for that, saying that yes, not all are created equal. Teams that generate more dangerous shot attempts are probably going to expect more goals than uh, a team that just shoots from the blue line all the time. So, uh, so that's kind of what that is. It's not just it's not just a yeah. It, it takes course. It takes shooting percentage. It takes a lot of different things and folds them in to mm-hmm. to try and guess the number of goals or or say hey, this is what we'd expect. So yeah, yeah they were kind of in line with expectation, which right. is which is really good because yeah. if they get nine points in line with expectations, what you'd want from them. Um, granted, I don't think it's you know necessarily easy to maintain, you know, a fifty six percent Corsi advantage over the course of a season, but you probably know, not. Yeah. It's good. It's a good place to start. Good place to work from. Yeah, um, the Predators are sixth in goal scoring in the league right now. They're they're scoring three point oh oh goals per game. Their shooting percentage is way up from where it was. I mean, I think for most of the season it was like four, and now it's up to nine point five. That's all situations. So they're shooting a lot. A lot better, um, you know. Top six team in goal scoring is is like I said. You're going to win a lot of games that way. Fifteenth in defense, allowing two point six one per game. Um, I think a lot of that probably came earlier in the year. Uh, they're kind of improving on that. Rene is still having just a probably the best stretch of his career, at least in the regular season, that he's ever had. I mean, in eighteen games, he's got a nine thirty four save percentage. That's that's going to win you some games. Um, I mean. To, to be to be honest, that's kind of what uh, that's kind of what Carey Price does almost daily. But so he's not Carey Price, but he's still you know playing incredibly well. As long as Little Bear starts starting every third or fourth game, I'm pretty confident. Yeah, yeah I mean, hopefully they have some more. They, they actually 
have a backup they can have confidence in and and just let Pekka be rested because if he's gonna if he's default your guy, don't force him to play every single one of those games. I don't care if he wants to. He's right. ex- he, he he plummets every winter, and then you try to recover him for the for the playoffs, but he gets exhausted again. So play Soros and play him often. <laughs> And that's um, not just because I love Soros. No, yeah. But it is just because I love Soros. Well, that's okay. You, you like him because he's good. And adorable. Sure, yeah. That's, <laughs> that's why. No, that's, that's the bonus. I just, I just, you know, tiny Finnish goaltender. Sounds fun. Yeah. Um, so let's get to some Twitter questions. We only have a few. A uh, couple of them are, one of them might take a little bit longer, so uh, we're going to kind of narrow it down. But at uh, win3317 uh, asks, would a Kevin Fiala hat trick last night have earned him instant endearment from fans, or would they have scorned him on free hat night? What do you think? Would, they have, would fans have, have thrown their free hats to the ice? There's nothing better than a hat trick on free hat night. Yeah, I mean, that's the dream. The dream is a hat trick on, on free hat night because everyone in the building has a hat. And also, you, if you already have a hat, you're not throwing away the hat that you spent money on. That's true. So there's, it's, there's double bonus. There's an absurd but, number of hats. But these hats are cool. Mario has one I've, here. I've actually seen them. Um, let me just... Oh, these are actually legitimate like hats that people would wear. Yeah, they're very well made. I was surprised when I got it. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. It would have like, been tough I, to throw that away. I love this tag inside, though. One size fits most. Nice. <laughs> I'm, actually, you know, when I think about it, that might not fit Chris Martel. That hat might be a little bit small for him. Okay. <laughs> does Does he have a large head? I don't know. He does have a large head. Yeah. Okay. But no, I was the biggest um, head in pocket during the Predators Winnipeg media. game. I think Wilson had two goals, and someone else was it. Fiala had two goals. Yep. And I was hoping that no one got a hat trick because I'd have to throw my actual hat that I you know, spent money uh, on, and my head right. was cold. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, so it sounds like, uh, I mean, it, it didn't happen. So if y'all did not have a hat trick, but I think it would have been fun. I think it would have been cool. But yeah, if, 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 someone's, if, if a player scores a hat trick and you're like, oh, I have to throw my free hat now, just, just you know what? Relax a little bit. You know, yeah. throw your hat, go get yourself some popcorn or maybe some, uh, you know, candied pecans. Right. And just, you know, enjoy yourself a little bit. <laughs> Do a little something for you then. There you go. Uh, next question. I like this question. This comes from at LGVamos3. Uh, he says, I know it's early, but if you could phone tap one GM, not David Poyle, on deadline day, who would you choose? So you can you have access to phone tap a GM in the NHL on, uh, on trade deadline day. Who would you choose? I think I would choose Jim Nil. I, I would, I would want to listen to Jim Nil try to not sound desperate for a goaltender and try to try to you know, t- in talking with whoever it is, you know, Islanders or anyone who's maybe possibly shopping a, a goaltender, him be like, well, no, we feel comfortable, but we, you know, we would like to try to get, you know, maybe a goaltender to not just be terrible. I think that'd be fun to try to hear him try to not sound desperate about his goaltending situation. I think I'd like to phone tap Stan Bowman just to see what he's going to try to pull off this year. And it probably is not going to work, just like last year with that trade for Andrew Ladd and whoever mm-hmm. else he decided to get. Yeah. But it's always a lot of interesting drama. Okay. I also might like to hear Ron Francis, just to hear if, uh, you know, just <laughs> really hear the other side of the conversation on, I can't believe Ron Francis this is going to give us someone really good. He's going to make a terrible trade, and we're about to make it. Oh, man. I See, I've got... I've got a couple things that stand out to me. Um, Because, like, 
I mean, who who is in charge of of the Florida Panthers at this point? Right. Like cuz the the GM is coach is the coach now, right? <laughs> like it's Tom Tom Rose now the coach. Is he still GM? I'd love so just for this whole chaos right. and the fact that they're struggling more than you know, they're struggling quite a bit. So you want to phone tap them now. I want to phone tap them any point. Yeah. Um so I mean that's one I would love and then the other one I I would love to phone tap George McPhee. Oh yeah, um, yeah. Just to find out, like, <laughs> what what is he? What the hell is he doing? I, I think most of the phone tab is going to be. It's like it's like you really didn't know that the parachute team had the Golden Knights names. Like <laughs> I, I I didn't think there was any issue or it wasn't confusing. Well, they are a military, like a prestigious military. You're like I didn't. You know, yeah. The whole the whole thing. Like I just love all of this Vegas stuff. Also, I love all of the. Like it seems like every team has a strategy for. Well, we're just going to send Vegas prospects, and so that we don't have to protect these certain players, and they won't pick them. Like Vegas is going to have to pick some players, Gil. They're going to have to take a player off your team. Like they're going to take somebody. Not everyone. They're not going to stock up thirty draft picks. <laughs> I just think that's funny. Like there's so every team has this sort of like. Well, all we have to do is we can protect who we want, and we'll just. Just give them incentives for not picking, you know, whoever name player X. They're going to pick somebody. They're going to have to pick somebody. Just get over it. I don't know. Was it, who, oh, there's some. There's fair. some other. There's some other options out there. Who? You know, what, are there any other GMs you'd want to listen to? I don't, GM GM is kind of interesting because it's like, does he hold a grudge against Poyle for you know stealing Forsberg from him? Or on the other hand, yeah. apparently he's been in a lot of contact with him because Poyle's done this twice. Right. So it's a lot of interesting intrigue going on right there. Well, but it's not like it was a, a you know, a break in in the middle of the night and they stole Forsberg off the, you know, from behind the painting in the safe. Yeah, they decided somehow decided that that Erat and Michael Lotta were yeah. the guys they needed to help them win a cup. Yeah, great. Yeah, I mean, you can't, you can't. It, it is a sign of an immature person to blame others for your own mistakes mm-hmm. and that's what everyone's the perception of what mcphee has done whether it's the reality or not like really like the proper reality not what's necessarily reported or, or sure. spun yeah honestly that was a very bad trade but i don't know how much i'd actually blame him specifically for that trade mm-hmm. we are going over ancient history yeah. but i don't even know if we hadn't gotten him if he'd be in north america yeah. <laughs> because the caps point. did not like him they did not want to draft him hmm you know, the, the yeah. thing, here, the, the thing about because we talk about it being being history at this point, the Forsberg trade, the Forsberg trade in Nashville is sort of like Canada in the War of eighteen twelve. It's like the United States does not care about it, you know, as much as it may be a embarrassing moment or whatever. And certainly the Caps are like they're over it. They're over the Forsberg trade. They've moved on. But Nashville fans love to go. Hey, yeah. you remember remember that time you got you got Martin Erat and Michael Lott and we got Phil. Philip Forsberg, remember that? Remember that? Remember that? Well, it's totally a War of 1812 scenario. <laughs> well, every single time Forsberg does anything good, you get Capitals fans in the comments section crying about it. Yeah. Oh, yeah so, yeah. honestly, it's sort of a little bit of reverse trolling. Yeah. Um, all right. So let's go to a little bit. Let's go to this question because we're since we're talking about George McPhee uh, at fluff underscore tail says with the expansion draft coming, should the Preds protect? Should, should the Preds protect? Three defensemen, seven forwards, four defensemen, four forwards. Now, early on, I think everyone was just kind of like, well, they're going to do 4D and four forwards. There's no, there's no way around it. There seems to be maybe a movement towards convincing them, I don't know, not convincing them, but maybe suggesting, hey, Victor Arvidsson's playing really well. Cali Yarncork has a great contract. They've got some great forwards. Yes, they have four defensemen they'd like to protect, but could they potentially... 
protect seven forwards and three defensemen and maybe go around and, and, and incentivize Vegas. I know we just talked about this. Incentivize Vegas to not take Ryan Ellis and, and trade them a draft pick or trade them a, 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 an AHL player or something like that. So, I mean, if, if you're doing seven forwards and three defensemen, which three defensemen are you protecting? So, I think you, uh, to me, I think you protect Subban, Yossi, and Ekholm. So, I mean, you may have the argument that Ekholm has had kind of a much rougher year this year, and so he may be less attractive as a pickup. Possibly. Okay. I'm not saying there's any legitimate thing. So, yeah. you might say, oh, well, if, we, if else the one we're really worried about, we just protect him and maybe gamble on, on Ekholm. Um, and I think, Ekholm, by the way, I think Ekholm would be the only pick right now for me is because the, the pairing with Subban seems seems locked down right now yeah and I, I also have questions about predator's pipeline for defense as is um i think that certainly plays into it like if if you lose one of ekholm or ellis who's the next guy who's going to be stepping up into a top four role i don't know who that is right now granted that it's going to be uh a while before nashville has to make that decision so there may be some younger guys who yeah. are who are ready uh but yeah it's it's very tricky with with the defensive corporate i mean that's why that's why the, you know it's seven and three or four and four. Yeah, I mean the NHL recognizes the premium that you can place on a, on a defenseman since there are f- so many fewer there's fewer of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, it's it is very very tricky and and you know we like people who who like fans of every other NHL team as you were saying, Alex. All are just like oh yeah, we'll just we'll just throw incentives. They'll just yeah. have the team throw incentives at them and that'll be fine. And then they won't dra- take any of our players. We'll be fine. Uh, I still say you try to find an actual player to send that send to Vegas some mm-hmm. some way to send them a player yeah. that they want that you also feel that can be parted with. Mm-hmm. Not easy again, but none of this is going to be easy. Mm-hmm. But if you look, if your idea is that you're going to send incentives to keep them from drafting a particular player, if you have Ryan Ellis or Ekholm versus Jan Crick or Arvidsson, which player could you actually give incentives in order for them to not pick them? If yeah. Ekholm or Ellis is exposed, it doesn't matter what you offer. That player is getting taken. That is a first-pairing yeah. defenseman. Yeah. They're yeah. just getting taken. I mean, the deal has to yeah. be worked out before you release a list yeah. of who you're protecting. Yeah. Because the second you release the list of who you're protecting, sure. all of the negotiation power goes to goes to yep. uh, McPhee. Exactly. It, it has to be done beforehand, yeah, mm-hmm. for sure. Um, because you're right. I mean, Ellis, Ellis would be instantly the top, probably the top defender. I mean, if you look at potentially who the the defensive pool out there is he would probably be the number one defenseman on that team. Maybe the number two, I guess it depends on. I, I am prepared to be very surprised, uh, for when all of these protection lists are, are put out there. Uh, it wasn't that long ago that we saw the, uh, was it the TSN draft list, fantasy draft list for, for golden Knights. And it was like looking through it, it just looked terrible. Mm-hmm. Like, why would you, like what were you assuming? And there were players on there. There was a there was a player on there who was protected, who is has like on a no movement clause who oh. has to be protected. <laughs> so I don't know. Like maybe they were assuming that the, that the player would change yeah, it. Yeah, that's what I. Well, yeah. I assumed that that you know either it was a no movement that had like a gap, so they assumed yeah. they would get traded or something. But you know, there's just so much confusion that even the guy like the guys at TSN are screwing it up. Yeah. So I mean that just tells you how difficult this is going to be for the GMs. Well, and, and it gets tricky sometimes with with some teams have issues with the requirement on who you leave exposed. With the two forwards have to be signed for next year and have played a certain number of games. Same thing with a defense with one defenseman. There are a few teams that are in kind of a, a tricky situation where they're going to have to they're going to have to navigate that. And and uh, 
predators are not in that situation. They'll they'll be they'll be able to meet that requirement easily. But I, I don't know. There's a lot to this. It's a it's so different than any previous expansion draft. It's so different. Yeah, it is, and uh, it's it's kind of incredible. And plus, I mean, the predators are a little bit unique in the league in that what all but four of their players were uh, raised in Milwaukee. We're all like we're trained in Milwaukee. It's four or five of the current roster players did not have to go through Milwaukee. Yeah, hmm. I mean, so this is a this is a team that grows their own pro players, yeah. which creates a very different, you know, type of feel to the team. And, right. and you know, you you, I, I, you know, obviously the number of games they play because they're a lot younger guys. I mean, it's it's interesting. I still think, um, you know, I if if I'm if I'm David Poyle, I still think I go forty four four forwards. I think I still protect those top four defensemen. I protect Johansson, Forsberg, Neal, and Craig Smith. I leave Colin Wilson, Arvidsson, Yarncroft out there because if they take one, then hey, you, you still got you the other you're two. You're safe, and, yeah. and there's a lot of people to pick. So you're sort of it, it, the mentality that, you, that fans need to take with this is that it's all about damage control. It's yeah. saying who are the critical players that we need to 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 go forward. Yeah, and uh, I, I think Alex, the list you rattled off is is the right list. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, and the only reason, the reason I pick Smith um, with you over someone like Yarn Cork Arvidsson is because Smith has shown that he's going to be consistently scoring goals. Yep. Um, and that is so, so valuable, especially with how much goal scoring is down. A guy who can put 20, 25 goals in that is, you know, five, 10 years ago, a 30, 35 goal score equivalent. Yeah, maybe if this was a year from now and Arvidsson had done this, you know, two years in a row, there might be some more worry about, okay, yeah. which one should we protect? But right now, Craig Smith is the obvious yeah. choice. Right, right. And, and also, I think, have they, re- they haven't released the draft order yet, have they? For, I don't think so. Because huh. that's going to also be that a could big, big deal. It, yeah. Like mm-hmm. where, if, they, if you select a certain order yeah. based on, I'm not sure what, where the Predators fall. Right. Because if... If they fall in, in a place where, oh, hey, they're gonna, there's just a lot of really good defensemen ahead of here. Maybe mm-hmm. they're not going to – but again, it's probably going to be after the protection sure. list is released. Yeah. So Give them that protection. Yeah, it's all – it's very – it's going to be very entertaining. Because I, I, I think if, if, um, if it kind of – if the Predators protect who we think they'll, they might protect, I don't see there's – I don't think you see any way that the, the Vegas does not take Yarncroak just because that contract is just too good for an expansion team, uh, which would mean that Colin Wilson would stay. Victor Arvidsson would stay, so I think I think there's an argument. I I, I would I think there's also an argument that they might pick up Wilson. I, I agree. You think uh, so? Well, he's he's honestly not that expensive. Yeah, he has a inconsistent history of point generate personal point generation, but he has a very strong history of just creating offense and being able to play with a lot of different types of players. So he's a very diverse player. He can he can play in a lot of situations. He, in my opinion, thrives with more responsibility mm-hmm. when it comes to attacking. And in, in a place like Vegas, he would have a lot more responsibility. Um, granted, yeah. <laughs> you can say a lot of those things about Yarncroke. Yeah. Um, I just think Wilson has overall, has another level of skill that Yarncroke doesn't have. Yeah, I think if they, it depends on what kind of team they want to build. If they want a solid defensive, because Yarncroke would be a bedrock of a sort of solid defensive two-way, two-way team. I mean, he's an instant penalty killer. He's an instant, you know, top top six center that, that can play on the wing if they need him to. And he's a great, you know, defensive and offensive forward. So it, it's it's tough to see. I, I could definitely see them taking Wilson as well, but it's it's probably one of those three. I wouldn't think that they would take Arvidsson just because I think he's just largely unproven. Um, so I think probably he's, he has an RFA at the end of the year. So, I, but I think Predators fans can can expect Arby to to stick around. I think. Um, all right, so uh, we talked about some expansion draft stuff. We answered some Twitter questions. We had a, a few other, um, well, we 
kind of let the uh, Twitter question bag open a little bit too late, so we don't have a ton, but uh, we'll definitely get to you next time for sure. Let's go ahead and look ahead at the week. Well, it starts tonight. The Predators play the Flyers at home at uh, well in uh, about four hours. Um, they play the Flyers tonight. They play the Avalanche on Tuesday. Then they go to the Stars on Thursday, and they play the Coyotes on Saturday. So four games this week. Two of them Central Division teams. One of them against a weak Coyotes team, and then the Flyers. Who? Well, who, who knows? Who, who knows, knows what you're going to get? Um, yeah. I mean, this is the team that has really good possession numbers. Has great, really offense. fun, really fun forwards to watch. Has some good defensemen, but a lot of young defensemen and Andy McDonald, right. who's a disaster. Yep. And then two goaltenders who are not playing anywhere near the levels they've 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 played. I mean, they're they're getting you know the followers are getting Steve Mason in in Colum- like end of his Columbus career mm-hmm. style. Steve Mason. Um, and what's his name is injured. The, the other guy. Neuverth is injured. Neuverth is injured. Um, and Neuverth is injured. So it's it's a Flyers team that's always been a bit of an enigma. Again, I you know I'll say this throughout the season. I do not expect the Flyers to make the playoffs. I don't think they have the tools to do very well in the playoffs, but that's not the point. Their point is to get their young guys experience so that in a year or two, they are a, a juggernaut. Mm-hmm. So it could be another uh, another shootout tonight. Could If you liked, uh, what, nine goals scored on uh, on Saturday, you could see about another nine more tonight. Of course, now that I said that, it's going to be like one to, one to, you know, two to one. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so eight uh, four games this week, total of p- possibly eight points. What would you like to see this week? Considering that they just came off of a really productive stretch of stretch of games, I mean, they they, they could if they took a step back, it wouldn't be terrible. I think we would all be disappointed, but um, I'd, I'd like to see them get at least six. I, yeah, I mean, five or six, I think would be good. I mean, six, woohoo! Um, five is probably more realistic, but I hate giving out overtime points. So I'll go with six. I'll confirm with six. Yeah, I agree with six. Okay. There really should be no excuse that they lose on Tuesday to the Avalanche. Of course, now that I say that, they probably will. Yeah. But that team is incredibly injured, and they've already shown how much they can dominate that team. I think the Dallas game in Dallas on Thursday is probably the, the least yeah. likely win. Yeah, and I, I totally forget. Like, I literally wrote down my predictions for the week for oh. games, and I just totally, okay. like, so I had, um, like, I, I, I was picking a win versus the Flyers, a win in Colorado, Losing in Dallas uh-huh. and then beating Arizona, yeah, um, for right. for six points in the week. That sounds right. Yeah, that's a good that's a good prediction. Yeah, I knew I did that. I'm like, why am I not using the notes <laughs> I wrote? <laughs> um, one final thing before we before we close up here, in the <laughs> this was a while ago, but um, there was uh, the, the 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 Vegas team and logo and name and everything was finally revealed to the world in a just epic epic tv bonanza that was just incredibly fun to watch if you did not miss it or if you if you missed it basically it was a a cluster i mean it was just there was all kinds of just the actual, logos were wrong the actual reveal video was never actually shown the reveal video wasn't even shown you need to watch it online later there was like uh, sort of a, a, a an explosion of of uh, balloons and confetti and stuff that was like really bad time it was like several seconds later and the, the I don't know it, things went so poorly. <laughs> the the, the, to name the, team, the Las Vegas we can't name the Black Knights because the Ontario Knights wouldn't allow that. Uh, London Knights won't allow that to happen, so we can't possibly call them the Black Knights, even though they're just called the Knights. But we're going to call it the Golden Knight. What yeah. is wrong with these people? Yeah, well, and they it, couldn't be the Black Knights because there already are Black Knights, and they couldn't just be the Knights because apparently they couldn't get the copyright in Canada due to the London Knights. <laughs> <laughs> 
yet yet they could get they could be the golden knights if i despite the fact that there are multiple golden knights i mean none of it makes any sense um the whole name is just weird uh my absolute favorite thing that came out of this though besides a fine primary logo if a little bit bland and of interest i think their secondary logo is a little bit more interesting referencing the sign um but man i i want to do something a little different i have to read this paragraph in this press release so adidas put out a press release for the golden golden knights and uh this is this paragraph is just gorgeous uh through further research the creative team found that the use of specific colors patterns and symbols on shields had specific meaning many times revealing which lord or kingdom that knight represented i'm so glad adidas <laughs> cracked that historical mystery people were wondering for years what all that livery that's what livery meant yeah um what is going on behind me oh uh with this newfound research newfound research the team decided to place the knight helmet on a shield for the logo what <laughs> Um, as it was the perfect way to create a logo that represented the city of Las Vegas. Again, I have no idea what's going on. Uh, the primary logo also features a distinct gray color, which I actually like. Uh, but this gray color was inspired by the dark, steely look of a knight's armor, given, giving the Golden Knights a unique color profile within the league. Now, I mean, yeah, I love gray, the gray and gold. It is different. But, like, the gray is supposed to look like steel armor, whatever. Um, and then so with the combination of the helmet and shield and the primary logo and the swords and the secondary logo, the ID system symbolizes strength and honor, key principles for the new team to uphold. That paragraph is so written by a copywriter. Yeah. <laughs> and I just can imagine the design team reading that. This is, from, shaking their... this is from Adidas? This is, this is an Adidas press release. Yep. That's insane. That's probably... The... That is, that is just one paragraph, and this thing is like eight paragraphs long. It sounds like there were a bunch of notes that all the designers had on a whiteboard, and then yeah. somebody just walked in and wrote a paragraph about it. That's exactly right. They had, they had, they had them all on the board, like, colors, knighthood. It, okay, so it, put it, that in it, there. Some of the secondary logo represents the team's uh, commitment to the community of Las Vegas. Yeah. I, I, I love, like, copywriter designers speak, because there's always this detachment between a copywriter and a creative like graphic design team and this is just so apparent right here my my favorite part of the of the whole thing was the the sort of the, the cringiness of i guess it was mcphee i think it was mcphee that was like uh as soon as things are going wrong they play the wrong video or the video doesn't play he's like uh well i can tell you folks the product on the ice is going to be a lot better than this and everyone's just kind of like oh gosh yeah, we'll see but i did learn some cool things because like apparently uh nevada is the top uh, one of the top producers of gold in the United States. And that says one of the tops. So I don't know. It sounds like that. If this is one of the top, that means there's someone else who produces more, right. which is hilarious in and of itself. <laughs> um, but I mean, there's this, this, the whole thing, because, you know, people listening may have, may have seen that, hey, the, uh, the army parachute team, the Golden Knights, who have been around for a long time, the, one of the most prestigious uh, uh, dive teams, uh, you know, mm-hmm. uh, skydiving teams in the world, also uses the Golden Knights as their name. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's this whole paragraph about how Bill Foley walked into this room and recounted the myth of the original Black Knight. So he was starting with Black Knight um, and then mentions that, hey, Bill Foley's a graduate of West Point whose mascot is the Black Knight. Right. So clearly McPhee was already fixated on the Black Knight and having some military connections to it. 
Um, and so that was served as a key inspiration. And so, you know, when I look at this thing and I hear about the Golden Knight, now, now the Army skydiving team coming in saying, hey, you really should have, like, why didn't you even ask us about it? Like, you can't use this. I mean, Foley clearly knew. Like, he had to, I mean, I think that there's quotes of that he was fully aware and decided there was no conflict. Um, and that the lawyer said there's no conflict because no one would possibly confuse them. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I think there's a clear path where Foley's like, I want, like, originally he wanted the Black Knights. I mean, I would think that was known. Uh, but he couldn't use that probably because of West Point. So um, instead like, he used, used another name. He used a le- he more obscure one <laughs> right. to keep the, so he can still, so there's still that military connection in the army. Mm-hmm. Um, but he, he said, oh, well, it's distinct enough where he can definitely get away with it. And his lawyers gave him the thumbs up. Um, I think it's going to be really interesting. I, I don't presume that they'll change the name uh, or be forced to change the name. I think um, I think that the Golden Knights, the Las Vegas Golden Knights, will do some sort of donation or something to the di- to the skydive team mm-hmm. uh, or something along those lines. Um, just because I don't think the league would have cleared it otherwise. I, think- I, 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 I don't see that happening. Um, but the whole thing is just hilarious. <laughs> I like the uh, Las Vegas placeholders. I don't think there's any real legal like copyright thing where they are would just be disallowed from using the name or that the parachute team could say, oh, no, you can't use that name mm-hmm. because if, if they don't even yeah. have a hockey team, obviously there is no conflict or confusion, which is the major thing about copyright. But the fact that Foley is obsessed with having been from West Point and the Black Knights and all that stuff does make the connection a lot more easy to draw. Yeah, and, and I, think, I, I think if he had um, – the one thing I, I think Foley and his team said, well, it's better to ask forgiveness and permission. Because I think if they had asked the Golden Knights, the Golden Knights might have, would have had a chance to say no, and then they would have been in probably. We have ended up with like the Nighthawks or the Desert Knights or something even more off the board. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think this was uh, my opinion. This was a. It's easier to ask forgiveness than ask permission. Yeah. And honestly, I think they will just eventually drop the Golden part and just be the Vegas Knights. Yeah. I, and the reason why they couldn't do it originally is because of the London Knights and being able to get their copyright in Canada. Okay. I, I just think the NHL should get over their their um, aversion to gambling references. Um, just, you know what? There isn't. Well, it, I don't even think you need to go there. I think you, there's a, there's well, a ton of good names out there. Oh, well. Yeah, but you want to, everyone wants it to be thematic in yeah, some capacity, right. and, and sure. Foley's got a fixation. Yeah. Um, but I mean, if if the NHL wasn't wasn't so adverse, then they would have had it would have opened a massive series of of options. The logo looks cool. I like the logo. The logo is adequate in every every way. Um, I think it's going to look a little lost on the jersey when they reveal it. I think it's silly that they had that reveal and they don't even have a jersey yet. I think. Well, it's- I think that's Adidas. I think that's Adidas's fault. I mean, we were, you know, I some of the jersey nerds were expecting. The, the new Adidas model to be released, I don't think they're. I don't think the, I don't think the Adidas model's ready yet. Uh, I think I think they're still figuring out how to make it work, and well, maybe even maybe even ads trying to figure make that work before they release anything. As long as it's not, I, I'm worried with the way the logo looks. I'm worried that it's going to look something like what Anaheim has, which would be a disaster. I'd like it to be cleaner. Just something, just just very simple, kind of just just the logo. Maybe a little bit of work around the outside, but but I'd like. I think it would look really neat if it's just kind of a. Um, just one solid color logo in the middle, just real classic look. They're going to have on the sleeves and the waist. They're going to have uh, little ramparts in, in gold. Oh my god! Golden ramparts <laughs> all the way around. <laughs> oh my gosh! Well, you know the uh, the kings are gray. That they're wearing this season for the 50th anniversary. Yeah, you mean the silver? I think you meant. I think you mean silver, silver Mario. Yeah, I, I don't really follow their copy very much, but maybe something like that with like the shield with the logo in the middle or something like yeah, that. Yeah, I think it's going to be it's going to be a much darker gray though. Yeah. Um, 
It's gonna be a much darker gray because we. I mean, we saw and also there's teal, so they have gold, teal, and there's like teal? dark gray. Yeah. Um, if you go to, I mean, I can't that's like, like the like third color. Ice aesthetics. Um, dot. I think they're dot co now. Um, they've got some different shots where they're trying to figure it out because there's been some different releases and sometimes it looks like black and sometimes it looks teal. Sometimes there's gray. So uh, right now the full color palette is speculated to be. Um, it's not like a teal, like the shark's teal. It's a much more muted shade. Okay. Um, but there's some gray, and there's there's definitely a, a third color. There's a little bit of red, of course, and there's um, some gold, which honestly, all those colors feel pretty Las Vegas to me, and they could make it work if they're careful. And I, I think they already showed like, some of the numbering. Um, it looks like there's some red stenciling on the numbering. Oh, um, okay. Just a little bit. So it, it could be pretty interesting. Um, and no one's sure if they're the final numbers because they, they use the countdown numbers. People think those might actually be the jersey fonts and numbers. Ah, they were using the countdown. And those had some red highlighting on them. Yeah, okay. So there's a lot of unknown stuff, but I mean, I'm kind of a, a jersey nerd and color, you know, NHL color nerd. So uh, I'm pretty excited, good or bad, because yeah. um, I'll get I'll have fun either way. Yeah, it's fun. It's fun to see new new color schemes and a new a new kind of jersey floating around out there. It's I mean, yeah, I mean, it, I'm just glad it's not solid black. I mean, granted, not going to be too many shades off, mm-hmm. um, but. At least it's not another black jersey. Yeah, so we're one step closer to knowing that. They still don't have a, obviously they still don't have a coach yet. So uh, I don't know. Gallant could be could be on the in the hunt. What if what if that happens? Gallant or I was looking at a list of some uh, some potential coaches for for that team. You know who here might be available? Mike Keenan. Mike Keenan. Iron Mike Keenan. Oh okay. Bob Hartley was was one option. Yeah, but I always suggest Mike Keenan. <laughs> um this 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 particular article I'm looking at also says Mark Crawford. Uh, Paul McLean. Oh, bring in the walrus. The walrus? Do they have a mustache? McLean oh. with a huge mustache. Oh, really? I don't think I remember that. Oh, yeah. Okay. I'm thinking it's the right guy, right? I think so. I'm, not, I'm like 99% sure with the big mustache. Okay. Uh, so some some options out there. I think Gallant would be, would be a, a great one. Um, Except he's not a great coach. And he'd be thematic. <laughs> he would. That's genius. Oh, I'm, I'm he with you now. Be very gallant, Coach Gallant of the Knights. <laughs> That'd be perfect. It's done. It's done. I'm calling George McPhee. I've already tapped his phone line. So, uh, all right. <laughs> so that that pretty much does it. We we covered quite a lot there. Uh, we've we've uh, we've looked ahead to the week. We've talked about the Predators who uh, who are uh, really doing a lot better than they were a month ago. I think we all feel better as you know with regards to this team. The month of November was great. Uh, so far, the month of month of December is, you know, undecided. So we don't know yet, but uh, things are going well. And the uh, Predators play the Flyers tonight at five. You going to the game? I am indeed. You going to the game? I had I had to get rid of my ticket. I'll be watching the game as I as I work on a PowerPoint for Monday. <laughs> All right, PowerPoint PowerPoint Sunday. That's what I'm calling it. Thanks for thanks for that exciting <laughs> name. I'm hoping to have it done before the game starts. Oh, that'd be good. So. Uh, until next time, you listen to the podcast. Uh, I'm I'm Alex. You can follow me at Alex Darty One. He is Chris Link. You can follow him at 3D Link. She is Maria. You can follow her at underscore Maria underscore K. Uh, thanks for listening.
You've caught your husband lying and now you suspect him of kidnapping. The last thing he needs to know is you're pregnant. Will Roger find out about Jenna? Monday on Guiding Light and Don't Blink, Paul. And don't look away. Something terrible could be going on with April. But if you get involved, she may really get hurt. Monday on The Young and the Restless.